<laughs> Love that song. I what the fuck is that song? Because even, I think even it's a, it's a Chicago or something called uh, like the musical on Broadway. Oh shit! Yeah. Even without the sexy girls, that's like quite a that's hypnotizing a track. I'm just I like, love yeah. it. My name is Lester Burnham. This is my neighborhood. This is my street. This is my life. I'm 42 years old. In less than a year, I'll be dead. Of course, I don't know that yet. And in a way, I'm dead already. It's hot as fuck, but here we are talking about another film from the 90s. Mm. How are we going today, guys? Um, it's As you say, it's very warm. It's because we're doing another morning session. Yeah, we've become morning people all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, it is wrought with heat, but uh, I think we're a bit more fresh, aren't we? Well, I, I had my run this morning, so I've achieved one thing. I made some pancakes. You've achieved a thing, Jeff. I had a coffee. You've achieved a thing. Uh, and I and I said I will record this podcast today, as I clean clean my teeth and looked in the mirror. So <laughs> I was setting my intention. Just for those listeners, I mean, this is a bit of an Easter egg. It has been one month since our last record. Yeah. Uh, and we've all kind of been doing interesting stuff. I personally, if I can just call myself interesting for a moment, have been to Bolivia. That's so interesting. Country in South America. Man, could that get more interesting? Roisin, what have you been doing? Enjoying your 30s, I hope? You uh, introduced what you'd been doing yourself without even asked you. Well, <laughs> I this mean, is I a social just... situation that you just met up with someone for a drink. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to bring it up in that stilted manner, would you? You don't think so? <laughs> no, you have to ask them first. Rudy, really, how you, you been back. doing? I have just been on a whirlwind trip. <laughs> I don't know. I'm good at my own PR. What can I say? All right, okay. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry, Rasheen. What have you been up to? So I'm now a month into my 30s. Almost exactly a month. Correct. Nice. It's It's been eventful. Mm. It's almost for it. Yeah, what way? Blow by blow. Blow <laughs> by blow. Uh, well, I went to Mexico for two weeks. Which is more interesting in your opinion, Rudy? Bolivia or Mexico? Be uh, honest. Uh, North or South? Whose slideshow do you want to see? Um, well, I'm a mountains guy. So I've got, to, I've got to throw this one to Jeff. I mean, easy answer. Wait, Thank Mexico you. has mountains. You didn't go up any mountains, though, did you? It's Mexico City is like two and a half thousand metres above sea level. Uh, Jeff, what did you go up to? Uh, Double six, that, wasn't it? Plus six thousand metres. For those uh, <laughs> imperialists out there, that is almost 20,000 feet. Right, so we're measuring interestingness yeah. in, in, well, in, in, in literal yeah. measurements. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're measuring fun and excitement <laughs> in inches, yes. How's your week been? Interesting. What altitude were you at? <laughs> at a cool 2,000 metres. <laughs> at sea level, don't care. <laughs> 1999. Oh, uh, it was quite an angsty time. I actually quite found it interesting uh, looking at the albums of the time. And it's just all like alternative rock, industrial, like angst. We've got Californication, Red Hot Chili Peppers. The Battle for Los Angeles, Rage Against Machine. Ooh. The Fragile, Nin. The Slim Shady LP, Eminem. And possibly the angriest of them all. Snoop Dogg. Baby One More Time. Oh, huge! That was ninety nine. Uh, that was ninety nine. Really captured the zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah, mm. and it's quite a funny album art. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like her sitting down 
on all fours in like a skimpy schoolgirl outfit looking up at the camera. It's like a very interesting, provocative mm. angle. It's That's like, very of its time, isn't it? We better yeah. do that now. Yeah, yeah, well, and we'll be unpacking more of those themes throughout this Look, film. Remember when <laughs> yeah. school children were sexy? <laughs> yeah. This is the last decade of this sexy was peak, school children. This is peak sexy schoolgirl. Yeah. <laughs> 99's Sam Mendes' directorial debut, American Beauty. Oh. Act one. Well, we learn about a guy who's like clearly in a rut, going through a bit of a midlife crisis. And uh, so he says, in a year from now, I'll be dead. But he says, in a way, I'm dead already. Mm. So basically, he's living this zombie existence. Like the panning shot is of kind of like American middle class suburbia. So we know we know he's like this middle class guy living this drab, miserable life. And it's just very depressed. It also, in that first five minutes of the movie, sets up the main character is just perfectly mm. and i love his the way he talks about his wife carolyn burnham played mm. by one annette benning he says like do you see how the handle of her pruning shears matches her gardening clogs that's not an accident <laughs> so like clogs. just with that yeah. one line we learn that this woman is obsessed with appearances right. and superficiality and i love like just the small lines that give us so much information we also learn that his daughter is very insecure she's saving up money for a boob job clearly like quite moody and they both just despise him they both mm. think he's an absolute idiot Dropping his papers all over the floor on the way to the car. Mm-hmm. Lester! Yeah, they're, they're, they're very slapstick, that. Yeah. A bit unnecessary, yeah. I thought. Like, the briefcase yeah. springing open. Oh, boy, yeah. Like yeah, you need a sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> very um, Lionel Hutz. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, this is just his lunch. <laughs> so I guess the day starts for all of them as Carolyn's going to her job as a realtor. Young Janie, Jamie, Janie's on her way to school. And we see Lester, and that's where we enter. Lester is working at the advertising agency, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, advertising I, I think it's magazine? like a magazine yeah. like ad space salesman right yeah god what a dreary job. yeah <laughs> rudy you used to work in calls right like how was cold calling people uh so yeah i did work in a call center when i was younger mm-hmm. but i was not a cold caller jeff uh, i was inbound there's there's a hierarchy when you work in a call center there's the outbound scum <laughs> and there's the like the more cerebral intellectual inbound guys i was inbound <laughs> and inbound means what to the lady you man? needed a master's to be inbound <laughs> <laughs> They would take anyone off the street for outbound. <laughs> or inbound is people calling you. So it's more like customer service stuff. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I couldn't do it. Cold calling or inbound? Uh, oh, it is so monotonous. Yeah, yeah, yeah shit. Yeah. I guess you just follow a script, right? I mean, are you really that interested in <laughs> working in a call center? Take us through it. Let, bye, let's bye, let's bye. put a pin in this one. <laughs> do you have any contacts in the industry I could contact? I, I could pull a few strings, Jeff. If you want to uproot your life to the UK and start a job on 14 grand a year, I could probably pull some strings. Wouldn't that be the perfect job you could work remote in, though? Uh, oh, that, the only good thing about it is like the camaraderie of everyone else in the same boat as you yeah, doing that yeah, from yeah. home would be the most miserable <laughs> existence like imaginable <laughs> well you can understand why Lester hates it because A he doesn't have the camaraderie and B he's yeah. been doing it for what 12 years I think yeah, so, yeah. God, I think he says 14 14 yeah. and we quickly meet Brad who's kind of like an efficiency consultant an efficiency consultant subplot <laughs> as in he's kind of ratcheting up the pressure on Lester he's obviously going through the list checking it twice to see who can get cut from marketing magazine wait is that, is that the name <laughs> I think so, yeah something like that marketing magazine what a fucking shit magazine <laughs> look at me jerking off in the shower this will be the high point of my day it's all downhill 
from here. We get the the whole day really mm. in the from the perspective of Lester, kind of finishing off with this with now this dinner. Mm. And dinner is oh, so sterile, God, isn't it? Yeah, like a really stilted, horrible dinner. I yeah. love the use of music. Yeah. In mm. this movie, for various reasons, and I love that like that point of tension in the dinner like the dinner is definitely carolyn's domain and she chooses the music and everyone else is just well, there to participate and it's a lovely wide shot where um you mm. just kind of see the like the width of the table yeah carolyn at one end lester at the other and jane in the middle exactly. and the camera's just like stuck in that angle yeah. yeah and we get a bit of uh insight into the just the inner tensions of the family especially between jane and lester mm -hmm. we learn quite a lot about her which we learn that she's sarcastic she says that this the day for her was spectacular yeah and then she storms off. She says, you can't be my best friend just because you had a bad day at work. Yeah. You've barely spoken to me for months. Yeah, fuck, man. She's definitely been listening to the fragile one in. She's a bit of a goth. <laughs> yeah. She's definitely angsty and angry and wants bigger tits. Like, she's quite a good character. Like, almost the only normal one in the house, right? Like, mm -mm. like dealing with both those parents. Well, yeah, both... like, she throws the relief up to, those, to like, the two yeah. dysfunctional parents yeah. exactly yeah. but has her own problems and they're on different ends of the spectrum hey like both lester and carolyn yeah are... she's like a robotic perfectionist exactly. and he's just like a burnt out loser yeah yeah mm. yep. i know i didn't always feel this sedated but you know what it's never too late to get it back carolyn i think is one of the characters in the film that most represents this kind of need to put up a facade mm. and show something different to who you actually are and we see that facade is actually very fragile yeah definitely in this scene so she's just filled with self-belief at the start and she's a, clearly a good seller because she walks people around she's like a ceiling fan could save you so many casts and people are just see through her mm -hmm. and see through the house and she doesn't sell the house today she does not. And then she bursts into tears <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like slaps herself in the face and tells yeah. her to shut up. It's quite like depressing thing, that, isn't it? She just shuts the blinds, closes the world off and balls her eyes out. Yeah. But I, you're not really supposed to feel sympathy for her. No, though, are it's you? true. Because like, the other thing is you're, you're supposed to sympathize with Lester Burnham. Mm -hmm. This guy is living this depressing life and he's having a midlife crisis. But like his wife's probably going through like similar torment and similar demons. Right. But you're supposed to kind of snigger at her. Yeah, true. Which is kind of like odd how they set up those two characters. I guess because Lester's honest and she's still like trying to keep up this. Mm, well, okay, perhaps. yeah. Is that the point where he's, he's like, yeah, he's accepted. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but he's soon about to break out because now we are definitely en route to the basketball match. Oh, yeah. Love that song. I, what the fuck is that song? Because even, I think even it's a, it's a Chicago or something called uh, like the musical on Broadway. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah. Even without the sexy girls, that's like quite a that's hypnotizing a track. I'm just I like, love yeah. it. Oh my god. It's the best um, song I've ever heard. But yes, we see the parents basically being dragged to the game because they know they get need to get again engaged with Janie, Jamie, Janie's life. <laughs> So we cut to Lester and Caroline sitting at the bleachers while Broadway's playing. And funnily enough, the goth chick is a cheerleader. Yeah, it doesn't make sense <laughs> at all. And all the girls have bowler hats. And this is the first time we meet Chilita? Janie, Jamie Janie's good friend, Angela. Angela Hayes. Angela Hayes. She, though, is the classic, classic cheerleader. 
Classic Lolita. <laughs> Classic Lolita. Whose surname was also Hayes. Yeah, there's quite mm. a few references to Lolita, to Lolita. Yeah, in this film. Yeah. So what happens, Roisin? Talk me through what this, this, this scene. Well, first of all, there's a fantastic dance routine. Um, Complete with bowler hats. Which was choreographed by Paula Abdul. I read that, yeah. Which is, like, hilarious. Then the the two lines of the cheerleaders kind of separate to reveal Angela, sexy, sexy child actress, <laughs> Mina Suvari as Angela Hayes. And this is kind of the catalyst for everything now happening because Lester sees her and immediately enters a kind of hallucinogenic um, (laughs) state where she does a sexy little dance just for him, zips down her cheerleader hoodie and just loads of bloody rose petals petals come (laughs) popping out. Unexpectedly. What's that supposed to symbolise? (laughs) (laughs) Should we discuss the rose petals now? Because it is the the biggest motif symbol. And so the colour palette is just washed out grey throughout, Mm. apart from red. Mm. And red, like, interrupts every scene in some way Mm. throughout the film. Hmm. From this point onwards, or throughout the whole film? Uh, Throughout the film, because she has red shears at the start that Lester comments on, that matches her shoes. And then there's red roses at the dinner table. Mm. Uh, they wear like red tops, the right. cheerleaders. And there's roses just everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, so the um, the rose petals come busting out. When the basketball game finishes, he very clumsily chats her up. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, which it was so horrible. uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, Carolyn walks off and Lester's still just like ogling her. <laughs> Rudy, you mentioned that he had like the perfect kind of male gaze face. Oh, I just wrote male gaze. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When he sat in the bleachers just literally staring at her. Yeah. And he's staring at her from up high, like looking down at her right. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you party? Excuse me? Do you get high? Lester has to accompany Carolyn to what I guess is some sort of like realtor mixer yep. uh, in some like drab like conference room in a hotel or something. And that's where we meet for the first time Buddy Kane, which is a really great B character uh, mm. for any movie. Carolyn is like desperate to project her like perfect appearance at this event of all of her rivals. She introduces Lester to Buddy Kane. They shake hands. Uh, Buddy says, nice to meet you. Lester says, oh no, we've uh, we've met before, but don't worry, I won't remember me either. <laughs> that's a good line, actually. Yeah. I would laugh at that. Well, it's a, it's a, but it's not the image that Carolyn wants to project. Mm. Like that's the line of someone that's depressed and has low self-esteem. Right. So like Carolyn laughs like hysterically with like nerves yeah. and then Les is like oh what's the matter honey and then just starts snogging her yeah. in front of Buddy. She, go, she goes like oh honey don't be weird and, yeah, then, yeah. and then he's like okay I won't be weird I'll be whatever you want me to be and gives her a big kiss on the lips do you think that joke would have flown better in the UK or Australia where people are like yeah that would be a really that would be a really good That'd joke be a crack, yeah, yeah. Man. I'd be like, yeah. yes nice but in America, it's like, oh my God, you don't remember me? You don't remember me? Well, no, but saying that to but the, the realtor king. Right. Yeah. That was the realtor king. We see Lester, understandably so, just wanting to get absolutely hammered. So he's filling up his drink. And lo and behold, who does he bump into? Ricky Fitz. <gasps> Ricky, Ricky Fitz. Fitz. Oh, Ricky. Our voyeuristic cameraman. I actually made the note that Ricky Fitz was the original live streamer. Before like live streaming and like <laughs> like Twitch was a thing, <laughs> he'd be great in this day and age. Yeah, yeah people yeah, supporting yeah. him. You know, like perving on his neighbours. I don't know. Um, but do you think people would watch a plastic bag? 
the plastic bag would probably get a lot of trolls. Mm, it's, it's more like penthouse parties people want to watch, isn't it? <laughs> Less plastic bag, yeah. more neighbor tits. He, he, he's like, he'd be the first art house uh, right. like live streamer. Yeah. <laughs> this is like another really important turning point for Lester. He asks Lester, do you party? Which, <laughs> if someone asked me that, I'd think they were trying to sell me prostitutes. Or come yeah. on to me. Yeah, or come on to me. Like, not, do you want to go out and smoke some weed? Um, so they go out the back, and it's another lovely static shot, like a wide shot mm. of them two in, like, just the service area outside, like, this hotel, having a doobie. Ricky's boss comes out, basically has a go at him for not doing his job, and then he just coolly quits his job. He goes, fine, okay, don't pay me, I quit. And then Lester's like... I think you're my hero. Mm. And I think that plants the seed for Lester, doesn't it? To then right. like quit his job. Mm-hmm. So that's like a really important scene for him to then yeah, like do what he does. Mm-hmm. He goes anti-establishment from yeah. there now. Yeah, yeah. Everything's coming together for him to just regress into his 17-year-old self. On the subject of the Fitzes. The Fitzes. The, f- yeah. the, fi- the Fitzes. Uh, we've got Ricky, who is... The young buck. The young buck, really obsessed with filming uh, strangers. Bags. And dead birds. <laughs> And sometimes dead people. We've got Barbara, who is uh, definitely has like something going on with her. So mm. she's the mother of this family. Finally, we have the dad, Colonel Frank Fitz. Colonel Frank Fitz, U.S. Marine Corps. I yeah. love the trope. I guess it's not even a trope. Just in America, like people in the like in service, in, yeah, introduce themselves <laughs> with their service title. Yeah. Yeah. I love in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay, there's that cool. episode where it's thanks like, for your service. Thank you for your yeah. service, and Larry. Yeah. Just, Larry just doesn't say it. Well, because everyone else said thanks for his service. Why did I have to do it? I'm like, Larry, you're a dick. You're a real piece of shit, Larry. You know that? That's so funny in the States. Like, you have to, A, say your title, and B, it's like, oh, my God, thank, thank you for thank your you service. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jeffrey Kitt. I'm a PR writer. Thank, Thank you, you for your service. service. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Fitz definitely has some demons. He's a very uptight man. Yeah. Hates gays. Hates them, doesn't he? Mm. You can be sure that whenever someone hates gays, well, they probably want can to we, be one. Yeah, can let's unpack this because I think like <laughs> in 99... It was like, wow, that's like really profound. Like maybe if you're homophobic, you're you're a suppressed homosexual. Whereas I think now it's almost like it's a bit obvious and heavy handed. Yeah. That it was True. just that was just so heavy in the film. If someone's yeah. gay or if someone hates gays, yeah. you automatically think that they're gay. Yeah, and I, I think if that like if that happened now, it'd be like, all right, like tone it down a bit. Like, yeah. like you, I get what you're trying to do with this character, right. but it's a bit much. That comes out when we meet the neighbours Jim and Jim. Jim and Jim. Who Actually, quite nicely, bring them a basket of goods to the door and say, well, I would to, love that. Yeah, yeah, it'd be so yeah. nice. Like, and, and stuff grown from their garden yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's like all this like, yeah, real, like, like gourmet lovely. stuff. Yeah. I, that'd be the most touching thing anyone's ever done for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd break down sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, Colonel Fitz says, wait, wait, what's, what's your business? You say you're partners, right? Uh, and their response is classic. Yeah. Well, yeah, nice, he yeah. is a tax attorney. And he is an anesthesiologist. <laughs> what are you doing? Honey, this... Ricky... This is Ricky... Now that Lester is in the midst of his sexual awakening and he has to write this report for work, the two are coming together quite nicely in that he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. He goes into work and takes the decision of 
blackmailing young Brad mm. with a sexual harassment charge to boot. Mm. Chaser. <laughs> and then I love when he walks out. He's got like a cardboard box with all this stuff yeah. and a plant. It's that's so that's such a movie signifier of I've just left my job. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a fern. Yeah. Act two. This is really like the start of his transformation. He's quit his job and now he just needs to get in shape. Yeah. I do want to quickly go back to his newfound love for the old Mary Jane. Uh, because he buys it off our good friend Ricky Fitz, who might I add in his room, how just inconvenient is videotape recording? He's literally got on his wall just hundreds, tapes, yeah. hundreds of plastic bag videotapes. <laughs> that smell of plastic in that room must be unbearable. <laughs> well, and the smell of marijuana. It's like he's yeah. got it under like a false drawer and it's like got like two pairs of socks. It's just, just, just a baggie, yeah, like a yeah. regular baggie. Despite that being very unrealistic, I suppose the actual price that Lester pays for the top shelf weed is also a little bit outside the normal market condition. How much does he pay for a gram, Rudy, might I ask? $2,000. And that's 99 prices. That would probably be like $3,000. As I mentioned, there was that 2.19% inflation that year. So you can just imagine, since 99, where that two grand for weed would have gone. We'd put that in Bitcoin. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, Ricky also says it's developed by the US military. It's like, where are you getting this shit Uh, from? That's that's like a real throwaway stoner conspiracy, like Harold and Kumar kind of thing. Stumbling across like a secret military research base. Getting some super, super strong skiing. <laughs> um, so then we cut and we have a lovely, like, oh, I love off-screen signifiers when there's music playing mm-hmm. and you know what's going to be, what's going like, to be introduced. So who, like, you can just hear Bob Dylan off-screen <laughs> and it's like the camera's like an outside shot of the garage and you can just hear like muffled Bob Dylan. Then it cuts to the inside. He's fitted out his garage with a home gym and he's on the bench doing bench press. Bob Dylan's blaring on the radio. Yeah. Then he just, he rests the bar, he leans up and then just starts taking a couple of totes of his, <laughs> of his doobie. But it's like, if you're doing bench press and you're in the middle of a workout, the last thing you want is like a sedative. I want to look good naked. So meanwhile, What's Carolyn doing? She said she's sexually frustrated. There's a realtor king. And there's a very sexy uh, king of real estate just walking around. One of his lines that I love and that I think signifies, just sums up Carolyn's personality as a whole, is he says, in order to be successful, one must project an image of success at all times. (laughs) Such intense invite And he he uses one instead of I or you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when they were at that conference, she she got a bit drunk and said that she would love to pick his brain if he wouldn't mind. And he says, oh, I'd love to. So now we start to see the, the sort of resolution of that. They go out for a drink. He tells her that he's getting divorced. She looks at him from over the top of a menu and we just see her eyes <laughs> just looking at him with Hungry such eyes. lust. The, the eyes over the menu trope is a great <laughs> lust trope, isn't it? I yeah. just love eyes over anything, yeah. like eyes over a newspaper, I think. I, I always try doing that on a Tinder date. <laughs> In order to be successful. <laughs> um, and then this leads to one of my favourite scenes of any movie. Carolyn and the real estate king having very loud, <laughs> enthusiastic I, I, sex I like in a leg, motel. Legs akimbo as well. Legs, and Carolyn. Legs I've never so seen akimbo. like more legs akimbo in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so much that like twelve seconds is just a lot. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> me, your majesty. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, uh, and then afterwards, she said, she's just like, they look exhausted afterwards. They're just completely like drained. <laughs> and she says, that was exactly what I needed. The royal treatment, so to speak. <laughs> she just loved that he called the king, doesn't she it? She loves that. I'm going to wail on my pecs and then I'm going to do my back. I, I see you're smoking pot now. I I'm so glad. I think using illegal psychotropic substances is a very positive example to set for our daughter. You're one to talk, you bloodless, money-grubbing freak. In the meantime, Lester is American womaning all the way to Mr. Smiley's. <laughs> He's ready to regress fully into his 18-year-old self, and that includes getting a job at a fast food uh, establishment. Mm-hmm. He has fast food experience, but it was, <laughs> it was 20 years ago. <laughs> Uh, but it seems unfair to presume you won't be able to learn. So this is where, for me, it strayed from, oh, you know, like, this middle-aged unhappy guy has broken out of the prison of his, like, job that he hated and the life that he didn't like. But then it's like, getting a job at a fast food place is just, <laughs> after the novelty of, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this, it's like, oh, wait, I'm working in a far worse job with even less rights and freedoms and for a fraction of the money. Just getting rid of responsibility does not increase your happiness, though. Yeah. That's the thing. Mm. Like, this, that's still a shit job and it would still be rubbish working there. Mm-hmm. It's only fun when you're 17 because you get right. your life ahead of you. Right. It's not fun being a washed up loser <laughs> who's having a midlife crisis working there. He, he um, seems to enjoy it. Well, yeah. But we I only think, see like, I think the first in, week, right? Like in reality, yeah. After, like, show me in a year's time. Yeah. Everyone likes induction. Though. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I could do this. <laughs> so, meanwhile, what's what's little uh, Janie, Janie, Janie up to? What isn't she doing? She's, she's forming a bond with Ricky Fitz. She tells him to stop filming her understandably so which i think is a great part (laughs) and he agrees and then she's kind of interested by me sort of tall dark and handsome he's got a glint in his eyes clearly Mm. not a teenager um (laughs) he's like 25 this guy and so they walk home together this is quite an interesting part where jane where the kind of worlds collide right of these two families and uh jane visits his house few things the mother is just sat there staring into space and apologizes for the mess when it's literally like the cleanest they don't even own things at yeah. like, they've just moved it's in it's so bare <laughs> and he shows Jane a plate mm-hmm. which has a Nazi symbol a little on the back plate. and then we get would you call this the, the most important the core of the movie the dancing bag the dancing bag god I'd call I'd call this the second act sag <laughs> some would call it the most beautiful yeah. thing they've ever seen some would call it the most beautiful thing they've ever seen I call it uh, padding out the second act <laughs> how do we make him deep yeah. uh, he likes bags <laughs> ah, put it in. so you two aren't sold on the bag no no. <laughs> I love the bag wait so Ro if like you're on a date yeah go on and you're kind of like meh like you're on the fence yeah and then you go back to the like this guy's apartment he loads up his lappy and then he's like, oh, let me play you this this one this one thing that, uh, for me, I find more beautiful than anything. Well, look, it's not just like, if this guy was talking the whole time about how he likes to film things like dead birds mm. and dead women, and he's clearly just on operating on a different plane, and I'm still interested, then if he shows me the bag... Sold. I mean, that's that's less, that's far less impactful than everything he's done to that point. Well, it's within context, you're saying, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's clearly just operate. as I say, he's like operating on a different level of consciousness to the rest of us. Because <laughs> he smokes so much it's weed that and that's dank. what happens. Yeah. That's just what happens. Um, but no, I really, I love the bag scene. 
Um, I can understand why people were like, this is so silly. It's not beautiful at all. Um, but I quite like that it's just something so mundane and yeah. you see so much into it. I'm looking for the least possible amount of responsibility. Jane then has to leave because she's late for family dinner. <laughs> now this is another family dinner scene, but things have changed a lot. The music's the same, but the, uh, the subtext has grown. Mm -hmm. The subtext has grown a hell of a lot. Carolyn starts trying to pick a fight with Lester because he's got a job at this. Why don't you place. tell your daughter what you did today? <laughs> <laughs> what Jane, a great example you're setting for Janie. He is just at the end of his tether at this point because Carolyn is just bickering and having a go at him. And so he picks up a plate of asparagus. <laughs> Always and, asparagus. And chucks it. Well, asparagus symbolizes the monotony of modern day life. <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that plate of asparagus. <laughs> Tepid as the way the way it shatters, yeah, yeah. the way it made my piss smell. <laughs> See, he picks up the plate, smashes it against the wall, and apparently that was also improvised. He was meant to just like throw it on the ground. You never know what space he's going to do yeah. on set. Is he going to abuse someone? Is he going to throw the plate in the wrong direction? It's always those two between those two things. Either abuse or a plate flying at your head, or light-hearted improv. <laughs> Carolyn, at Buddy Kane's suggestion, starts going to a shooting range. She, she gets a you gun. You never fired a gun before? <laughs> I love firing this gun. <laughs> and then she uh, does her happy song, which is Don't Rain On My Don't Parade. Rain on my parade. Yeah. And I love it so much. She's like, nobody. <laughs> she gets the With finger, the finger out. out. Anyone who starts finger pointing to like jazzy numbers, <laughs> I really get behind. I love when that. there's like horn stabs. Bam, I love bam, bam. it. She's, she's having a great time until she rolls back to the garage and sees a new car in the driveway. Someone rained on her parade. A firebird. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody literally literally rained, rained on her parade. Yeah. She goes in, has a confrontation with Lester and by now they've both like become way more confident versions of themselves. Yeah, he's getting jacked and he, she's singing and shooting guns. Exactly. Um, so they kind of meet in the middle in this part, which is why mm. I think it's yeah. quite an interesting scene. He nearly scene. seduces her. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're like sexually attracted to each other for the first time. Because there's all this energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they've just like built up their confidence mm. in all these different areas. And they almost, almost get it on until Lester almost spills beer on the couch and then all the problems, all the issues yeah. just come out. Her materialism really ruins the moment. Yeah. Act three. Act three. The next day is the day you die. This is the last day <laughs> of Lester's life. Starts with a run. <laughs> yes. Very healthy man. Yeah, great <laughs> way to start your day. Run in a smoothie. <laughs> And by now he's jacked. He's like got good fitness. He's His cardio's good. really good. He yeah. looks great. He looks great. At this point, Lester's ran out of weed. He needs to buy another gram. He needs to find a two thousand pounds down that eight thousand dollar Italian silk couch. And so he arranges to meet Ricky a bit later on. He sort of does the phone single yeah, signal yeah, and yeah. says, "Call me." The Colonel, Colonel Caesar, is watching. doesn't he? Colonel Caesar. This is where it becomes almost like a Cohen-esque farce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Just yeah. loads of misunderstandings. Yeah. 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 His suspicions are are tickled, and he goes up to Ricky's room and starts rifling through his videotapes, and just so happens. Yeah, like the second he puts in. To, yeah. Like the first 
first tape. No, the second tape. Because oh, that would have been too obvious. The first tape is yeah. like his mother. Yeah. And then the second tape. First, first tape is that dumb dancing bag. Yeah, the bag. <laughs> Not this bag shit. I just threw the tape away. <laughs> then the second one, yeah. The second one is of Kevin Spacey working out. Nude. Naked. Naked. <laughs> Naked. So everything's just coming to a head on this particular day. Lester goes to work. Mr. Smiley's. Smile. You're Mr. Smiley's. <laughs> Flipping burgers and, for a few hours on your death day. And who should he happen to hear yep. on the intercom? The cackle of one Caroline Saying, and the king. I think we deserve some junk food after the workout we just had. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> they are so busted. And they're so smug yeah. about the fact that they're shagging. That's yeah. the worst, isn't it? Lester just doesn't give a fuck. And he says to Caroline, you don't get to tell me what to do anymore. Hooray! So Lester goes back to doing what he what he loves doing and working out. In his garage that he's fitted out, he's got a lava lamp. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's got a big a, weed poster. A trippy weed poster. Yeah. <laughs> really, I think you mentioned when we were watching this, he's got the big poster, Take Me to Your Dealer. Take Me to Your <laughs> Dealer. <laughs> An alien smoking a doobie. <laughs> I, I wish he had, like, that classic Bob Marley poster as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's working out. Ricky comes over to, to sell him some weed. And... A very unfortunate <laughs> vantage, vantage yeah. point. The framing through the window of what Colonel Fritz sees of his son. So it's the way the window frame is positioned is just perfect because it makes it look like Ricky is uh, sucking Lester's <laughs> sucking Lester sure. off. Well, but Lester assumes the universal body language for receiving fellatio. <laughs> where he puts both his hands behind his head and slightly tilts his head upwards <laughs> with a look of relief. Yeah, why is he doing with that? With a look of sweet relief. Because he... he's about to get his well, weed fixed. No, but I guess he's just finished working out. So, like, maybe his muscles are twitching oh, or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like, again, perfect timing. A car pulls up. Some women get out and run towards the house. And then Ricky and Lester hurriedly. But, but put I don't their get why on. they scatter because Lester is honest about him like smoking weed the whole because time. Because it's with Jane. his family. Because uh, it's Jane. Jane doesn't right, want, yeah. want her new boyfriend to be doing that. Yeah. And she probably doesn't want him to be. She probably doesn't know about Lester and right. Ricky's relationship. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, very true. Now Colonel Fitz is pissed off. Pissed off, aroused. He's an aroused. That's angry the worst aroused. pissed off, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sexy aroused. You'll so, do anything and angry aroused. So when Ricky comes home, he beats the shit out of him, as he usually does, and accuses him of literally getting into bed with Lester. Mm. And then Ricky, at this point, just, like, gives up. Yeah. Well, he sees his out, doesn't he? Yeah. He knows he'll, he'll, he'll abandon him if he just pretends that he's sleeping with men. Yeah, but he also, you can see, like, a... Um, a moment in his face when he just like gives up and yeah. he's like okay yeah fine that you're right because he's just sick of it he's a horrible father and just like well if that's what you want yeah you know and so he leaves kisses his mother goodbye and heads to jane's house so back in the garage lester's doing some pull-ups and who should walk in colonel fritz u.s marine corps colonel frank fitz hot and wet Who's a- angry aroused? Who's upset? He's feeling a mix of emotions. Colonel Fritz, are you angry aroused? <laughs> your face says one thing, your trousers says quite another. <laughs> I do detect your angry aroused. <laughs> and again, it's completely like, as you said, Cohen esque, in that Kevin uh, Lester just happens to say, like, exactly the yeah. right ambiguous uh, my wife's are fucking some other man and i don't care that doesn't bother you no why should it <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous like everything conspires against against him at this point colonel fitz bless him 
Bless his soul. Just, he, he just wanted some affection. He just wants yeah. some man love, doesn't he? He sort of squeezes Lester's back. Well, he has been working out. Which, like, <laughs> but I hate that specific Why are you squeezing part. my lats? Yeah. It's really weird. Ow, they're quite tender. I've just been, <laughs> I've just been on the bench. <laughs> Here, squeeze my bicep. <laughs> um, and gives him a big kiss on the lips. Yeah, so he he gets the wrong idea. Obviously, you don't want to anger someone or reject someone who's got a Nazi plate and, and a, a load of and guns. A gun collection. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably Wait, Should he have just kissed him just to avoid the murder that was going to come his yeah, way? He should have just went with it. Had full sex with him. <laughs> well, if he's having a like, yeah, midlife crisis, why not give it a go? Yeah. Give it a bash. You Se- might like it. Sexy colonel. <laughs> yeah, but would you choose the colonel? Like, <laughs> literally the worst man <laughs> you've ever met. <laughs> I'd go for a three-way with Jim and Jim. Personally. Yeah, like obviously you'd try it with Jim and Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Don't interrupt me, honey. Carolyn, listening to her self-help tape, is saying, I, I refuse, refuse to, to be, be a victim. victim. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got a gun now. So we've got a few people who are the candidates. The murder well, mystery is coming yeah, to a head. Yeah, so this, like, this kind of scene where like so a few people have got guns on them and have talked about killing people remind me of the Who Shot Mr. Burns. Yes! <laughs> uh, I've just been made aware many people are uh, stroking guns. <laughs> oh my God, it's exactly like that. I never even thought of that. When was Who Shot Mr. Burns? 94. So they could have been 93, 94, yeah. <laughs> definite, definite pinch from Mr. From who shot Mr. Burns part one. Well, I can't possibly solve this mystery. Can you? <laughs> well, sure, I'll try. I mean, it's my job, right? My job. <laughs> Lester, meanwhile, who should he happen to find crying in a corner, looking all vulnerable and sexy? Angela Hayes. So they kiss and they are on their way to doing the dirty. <laughs> uh, Lester pulls off her trousers. Pops open her shirt in one, one swift move. And lo and behold, her tits are out. Always in his fantasies. There's never yeah. any nudity. Right. Everything's always covered up. She's no longer this like nymph, like mm. the seductive mm. nymph. She's completely like vulnerable in that moment. And that's when she says that she's never done it before and she's a virgin. Yeah. And at that point, she's like naked, vulnerable. All sexuality has just like disappeared from her. And so Lester immediately sees her again as a child definitely and i love the part where he like straight after that he uh, she's like oh i thought you said i was beautiful and he's like oh you are you are and he like gets a blanket and wraps it around her he's like yeah you're so beautiful but it's like the way you would talk to a child mm. his whole motivation the reason for him doing everything throughout the movie has just collapsed right so on the phone he gets the brad Brad, <laughs> can I get my job, my job back? back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, work, I'll work for 40k. <laughs> I will suck your dick. <laughs> it's so sweet after that. He like makes yeah. her a sandwich. Yeah, it's kind of like he talks to her. Sickly sweet though, isn't it? Because he has been grooming her. Yeah, Not grooming her, true. but like setting it up. Pursuing her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for like months. And then has suddenly instantly switched gears like a father figure. Mm. It's very odd, like change of track i guess so but it, for me it just makes like perfect sense because everything is just happening in this like fantasy world mm. that he's created that's not based in any kind of reality at all mm. and once he learns the reality of the situation he starts acting like the loving should, father yeah. that he should have been the whole time yeah. like he asks how jane is and angela says she's really happy and that makes him really happy angela asks him how he is mm. and there's like a moment on his mm. face where you can tell he's about to say like oh i'm fine 
because he sort of like shrugs and does this face and then he like thinks about it and he says it's been a long time since anyone's asked him that and then he says i'm great he so he's great. he's so just great. reached a point where like all the work he's done he's worked out he's quit his job he's done all these things for a certain purpose and although that purpose hasn't been fulfilled he actually has like achieved his goal well, he's yeah. broken out of his monotony he's yeah. broken out of his funk yeah exactly even though the reason for doing that wasn't the reason that he that he thought he still did it so i i find that part really like poignant and yeah, like quite definitely. moving yeah what would what, you th so he then looks at the photo of uh a of younger version of his family mm. when jane was like like eight or something and like he's just got like a like a smile of like contentment on his face mm. what do you think he's thinking do you think he's like realizing that he loves his family there or? i think he's he's realizing like how grateful he is for them mm. because all throughout the movie he just takes them completely for granted yeah. and he's really unhappy with them and they're really unhappy with him and then i think at the end like when he looks at that photo he he realizes like how grateful he is mm. for them that's what, what i took from or, it. or do you think like he realizes like oh that was like that was my life like yeah that right was the reason yeah. why i did all of this stuff like, yeah for them yeah to build this family mm -hmm. but it's a it's a really sweet moment and then uh kind of disturbed by a gun that that's slowly, a lovely shot that yeah. slowly yeah, like yeah. creeps towards his head like, the only thing more jarring than that is like a penis slowly coming into <laughs> shot <laughs> into the side of your cheek <laughs> No, the shadow of a penis, <laughs> like in um, Always Sunny, <laughs> the glory hole. <laughs> Again, you were talking about the color red earlier. We sort of move towards that that white wall, yeah. and then see the blood just splatter mm. all over it. Shut up! The murder mystery is like solved really quickly, which I always thought was like quite strange <laughs> when I was a kid. Like I thought there'd be more of like you don't really know who's done it. It could have been anyone type mm. thing, but it um, almost immediately after it shows where everyone was when mm. the when the shoe scene was happening and then shows like Colonel Frank Fitz like covered in blood yeah, and, like, with, oh, a, and with a him. gun missing yeah. from his camera. Angry aroused. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminded me of Donnie Darko in the scene where everyone like was sleeping who was in the fantasy oh, and then yeah. it shows like what they were doing at that certain time. Ricky and Jane, after hearing the gunshot come downstairs, Jane doesn't want to go in. So Ricky goes and looks at Lester's face and he's just got a little smile, mm. sweet little smile on his face. Carolyn comes in doesn't show her finding the body but the implication is there mm. that she saw it she hides she's, gun. she's like breaking down in tears hiding she, the gun in the laundry she hides yeah. the gun and then she like sees all his clothes hanging up in the <laughs> closet and hugs them and yeah. just starts bawling which again is like a thing for her where she she took him for granted yeah and meanwhile like it's all all of this is interspersed with lester like talking about his life mm. and that as you say like that is his life that's mm. what he's thinking about at the end the beauty of his life yeah, yeah. And it's the same language as the plastic bag. That damn plastic bag. Mm. So I love it. He's like speaking from beyond the grave and it just gives it like a really much deeper like significance. Right. Everything he says, like it's really cool. Yeah, I just, I love, I love that ending. I think it's just a fantastic ending. Lester, you have such hostility in you. What do you think of the movie poster? Yeah, yeah. a bit weird. <laughs> kind of signifies the film quite well. I guess what else would you have, eh? Lester's gaze <laughs> that'd be great just like breaking gaze. the fourth wall just looking at you gazing it could be like Blair Witch Project where it's just like the top of the eyes um, <laughs> but the it's menu. like it's like Carolyn's eyes over the menu <laughs> look closer <laughs> or, or um, Spacey just taking a toke on his doobie <laughs> like a real stoner comedy film <laughs> so I really love this movie I think it's absolutely solid yeah 
I remember when I watched it for the first time, I was like, oh my God, I'm so deep because I get this. Right. Exactly. But now watching it again, I'm like, oh, I mean, I still get this. I think it's good. It's just, it's just an enjoyable watch. I think it's, it's like great. getting into the dirty laundry of this family. I'm like, ooh, it's like there's a lot going on with each character. So They're all well drawn. It's like, oh yeah, show me more, show me more. What was your highlight and what was your low light of the movie? Ooh. I think highlight was when he was driving to American Woman. I fucking love that song uh-huh. and just seeing Spacey go for it. Yeah. I really liked. Low light? I'll get back to you. Let me think about that for a moment. Okay. How about you? Same question. Highlight? Different happy song. Don't rain on my parade. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. I, I, me and my sister quote that all the time. It's just hilarious to us. Um, low light, probably realising that I was laughing at a woman with Alzheimer's when I was a child. <laughs> that was probably yeah, my low that's light. that's a definite low light, yeah. Rudy? I quite like any sort of office scene, like drab 90s office scenes. So I liked uh, Spacey blackmailing his boss, mm, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was pretty good. Low light would be probably the dancing bag. <laughs> yeah, actually. That's, oh, that's, that's your a low light? light. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a good, like, there's not many, like, loose scenes are there really mm. everything's pretty good but that is yeah in a way though it's such like a bit, a bit difficult to swallow yeah but it's so American Beauty because it's mm. like what the fuck is that what other movie would put that in mm. but this kind of like self-indulgent movie that's true I can't believe the bag is your low light well, but I mean like what else could be your low light I, I told you that no no but your low light <laughs> is your reaction to it when you're a child <laughs> um I don't know. The fact that maybe the gyms could have had more interesting professions. <laughs> no, I wanted to see the the inner turmoil of the of, of the, the gyms. gym family. Yeah. <laughs> they really got yeah shaft. I wanted to see like a dinner time with the gyms. Could you pass the asparagus, please? <laughs> well, it's actually closer to you, Jim. But I wanted you to pass it to me, Jim. <laughs> uh, I don't have a low light, but I mean, I think it was just a good film, wasn't it? It was ratings. I'm gonna go for an eight. You know, how many roses out of the bouquet? Eight. Mina Savari nipples out of ten. <laughs> so four pairs. So four four pairs four of pairs four out pairs of. 10. of yeah. Rudy. Yeah, I'd, I'd go about the same. Eight, Eight, nipples. Plus. Eight yeah. nipples out of ten. <laughs> four on each. Four on each. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it nine bowler hats out of nine. Hello. I'd give it a nine. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Get in there. Yeah. Well, Roshan, I'll let you wrap this up. <laughs> I think it. I think it has been wrapped up. I guess it, when as a natural Peter, do you have to mention the, the wrap up? <laughs> so I, I guess we're wrapped up now. <laughs> that's uh, that's the equivalent of saying. Oh, so I guess I should be going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when the night's petered out when you're around someone's house. <laughs> do you ever ask people to leave? Um, <laughs> excuse me, you've overstayed your I, welcome. I, please, I ask please, people please. to leave. I say it in like a more subtle way though. I say like, I'm really tired. Yeah, yeah. You use signifiers, don't you? So, yeah. oh, I'm probably going to go to bed soon. For me, oh, it's always tired. the... Yeah. Ah, well. Huh. I, rec- well it's like, I did- recognize that so well. You've done that to me. <laughs> ah, well, I guess that's that. It would depend like if you've got any friends that can't read social cues. Yeah. Then you'd have to tell... Like if you had a friend that couldn't read social cues, you'd always have to be really mean to them, wouldn't you? Can you leave now, please? Yeah. Rudy, yeah. can you fuck off? Yeah. If you went like, well, I'm pretty tired. I'm, I'm probably going to hit the hay. And then they were like, oh, I just remembered a story. Yeah. I was about to bruise Oh, I'm, I'm about to put a film on. <laughs> I was well, just about to put Schindler's List on. Well, I'm <laughs> going... No, no, but it's more, um, more intent. Well, I'm going to put Schindler's List on. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the same could be extended to you, dear Listler. Uh, Listler. <laughs> Listler. Schindler. Listler's list. 
Well, we're, lose, we're, lose, lose. we're all feeling pretty tired, so... Yeah. I'll invite yes, you we to should uh, be. kindly fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, thanks for joining us. Roses falling from your boobs, that's beauty. American. Plastic bag dancing in the wind, that's beauty. American. Rico likes to party. Lester's pain to rent for While Carolyn's shouting, fuck me, your majesty. American. Jim and Jim and Jim, we're going to the gym and Jim and Jim. Don't kiss him and Jim and Jim, we're going to the gym and Jim and Jim. Jamie wants some parrots, but look out, here's Carolyn. And a gunshot to the head, that's beauty. American. American. That's beauty. American. That's beauty. American.